Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, Zara McDonald, that would be you. Producer Annabelle Lee, you are also here. What's up? Hi. <laughs> Hello. Sorry, what's up? <laughs> what is up? What is <laughs> we will find out in a moment. Coming up on today's show, Lizzo slides right into the DMs of Chris Evans and won't stop sharing the screenshots with her followers. Plus, Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker go from sucking each other's thumbs to straddling in the desert, and we have just a couple of questions. And then the perfect influencer couple whose perfect life wasn't actually that perfect, and the photo of Zac Efron that has sparked many a plastic surgery conversation. But first, Zara McDonald, how was your week? A good week, my friends. I um, <laughs> This is so stupid. I went out for dinner last night and I sat at the table and I looked across from me. Not Beck and Leighton again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Beck and Leighton again. What? I sat there and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. These two will think I am stalking them. In fairness, I was at the same restaurant and so were they. But I was like, oh, my God, how embarrassing. I've spoken about this on the podcast. I'm clearly, I'm clearly going to do it again. And... I am going back there this time next week with a different group of friends. So I'm like, can I go for the three-peat? Are oh. Annabelle and I allowed to sit at a neighbouring table <laughs> and have like a newspaper, newspaper with <laughs> cut-out eye holes? <laughs> and the funniest part was I was like obviously starstruck by the children too because Ava, their daughter, performed on Dancing with the Stars recently. So she's an incredible dancer. So I saw her and I was like, oh, my God, Cruz is an incredible tennis player. He was sitting there and I was just like, oh, my God, how has this happened again? If you see them for a third time next week, I think you are 
owe it to Annabelle and I. I think you <laughs> owe it to all of the listeners. We need a selfie together and it needs to go up on the I Instagram can't. feed. No, you have to. It's good I'm content. To. That's banger content. Life is content. Do it for the content. Life is not content. Anyway, <laughs> so that happened last night and I thought, oh my gosh, how has this happened again? I do need to set the record straight on one thing as well this week because... There's a commonly held conspiracy theory that is starting to gain a little bit of traction <laughs> that it is me that sings the jingle of Shameless. And I've never addressed it on the podcast because I thought it wasn't a thing until people kept asking. <laughs> Where did this start? I don't know, but you're right. I think we have two conspiracy theories and zero of them involve me. The most commonly held one is that Annabelle Lee is celeb spell check. <laughs> the second most commonly held one is that you sing our jingle. When I first read this from a listener, maybe a couple of months ago, I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I did. But now every time I listen to our jingle, I'm like, it does sound a little bit like Zara. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's quite a compliment, I think. Wait, in what way does it sound like me? Because when you make that ooh sound, which we've ooh. promised the listeners when <laughs> we've promised the listeners we won't sing on this podcast ever. But when you make that ooh kind of sound that's in our jingle. But they've never heard similar. me do the ooh ah. No, because you go ooh, ooh sometimes in like your little Zara ah, isn't. Ah, like yeah, and they'll be really like, must be her. So I must set the record straight, that is not me. It is a professional singer, but I am very, very flattered. <laughs> Any recommendation? I do have one recommendation, albeit it may sound a little bit bit biased but I promised you it is not. Our scandal researcher Justine Landis Hanley has very recently started her own podcast with fellow Guardian journalist Matilda Bosley. Mm -hmm. It is all about Australian politics and it's called Old Boys Club. Great name. Mm -hmm. A great name. I am really pretty interested in Australian politics. I do consume it all day every day and I haven't found a podcast in Australia like this one where they kind of break it down and don't assume you know anything. I think a lot of political podcasts can assume a base level of knowledge. But these two are incredible at being very clever about what they're talking about. They're very researched. Their energy is incredibly high and I really like it. I don't think there's anything like it. So may I recommend that one? I love that. There also aren't very many independent podcasts in Australia, let alone female-founded, female-hosted independent exactly. podcasts. So absolutely adore that recommendation. We love support other women in the industry. There we go. How was your week? I had a good week. I have another perfect 10 out of 10 neg to bring to the table <laughs> following on from last week's discussion on negs. If you missed last week, a neg is a criticism wrapped in a compliment to kind of Trojan horse you <laughs> with a criticism. I, after speaking about this on last week's podcast, opened up my Instagram profile on the weekend to find that someone has made a Bumble profile using my photos. Hot stuff. You would think that is a compliment because someone's telling me I'm cute and attractive enough to have my own Bumble profile. The neg is that my name is apparently Anne and I'm a 35-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah, it's not great for your self-confidence. It's adding what? How many years to your life? Only eight. Oh, it's adding seven or eight years to my life. But no offence to 35-year-old women. Like 35-year-old women are the best. However, I think I speak for everyone when I say no one wants to appear eight years older than they actually are. No one wants to be misaged. No, and I was misaged and misnamed. And I also don't think I look like an Anne, but maybe I'll leave that up to you guys to decide. You could look like an Anne. You don't not look, you don't like, not an look like an Anne. <laughs> yeah. anyway, anyway, so I thought that was a good neg, but I'm, I've been like feeling very conflicted about the entire thing. Yeah, 100%. Did you report the profile? No, because I'm not on Bumble. People are just sending me screenshots. Oh. So if you do see it, report it. 
I'm not Anne. I'm Michelle Andrews. (laughs) Thank you for clearing it up. Do you have a recommendation this week? I do. An extremely sugary one. If you guys are interested in home interiors and home design, like I suddenly am, I feel like I just woke up one day and this is my new interest in life. You need to go watch Troy Sivan's House Tour on the Architectural Digest YouTube channel. I love all the AD YouTube videos. Like they've done Kendall Jenner's house. They've done Kris Jenner's house. They've done Jessica Alba's house. Like we really love going through these, particularly in the Shameless office. I didn't realise that Troy Sivan lives in Melbourne. He's back, yeah. I also didn't realise he has the best taste of any celebrity that I've watched on Architectural Digest. His house is incredible. It is all over TikTok. I haven't seen an Architectural Digest video like this one go so viral Mm. in such a long time. Like I'm just seeing it all over my feed. I had not realised that he'd moved back to Melbourne either, but his house is incredibly beautiful. I feel like Troy Sivan is one of the few people that I would get very, like, starstruck and giddy over. I just love him. And now I'm like, ooh, he lives in Melbourne. Like, every day is a possibility that I can run into Troy Sivan. <laughs> Mate, if anyone's going to run into the celebrities, it's going to be me. <laughs> but anyway, should we get into the first segment of today's show? Let's do it. We are starting with Lizzo and Chris Evans because something funny is happening in the Lizzo and Chris Evans water. Something is. And I didn't expect to see these two in a story together, but I'm very, very happy that we've found ourselves here. If you do not know who Lizzo or Chris Evans is, let me explain. I'm sure you all know Lizzo. She's a 33-year-old singing and rapping icon. We love her. We adore her. We've spoken about her many a time on Shameless. Chris Evans, dare I say, and I'm putting this out to you both, I knew who he was I didn't really, though. Like, no. I find Chris Evans I love Chris familiar. I, knew, I actually wanted to jump in before Annabelle even said anything and said this is exactly the type of person I reckon Annabelle would be in love with. Because I'm a big fan of the Avengers, like of Captain America. And also I know a lot about his, like, past dating life for some weird reason. Like, he right. dated Minka Kelly. Are we aware of Also Minka? don't really know <laughs> Minka Kelly. Jenny Slate. Jenny Slate I know and I did know that they dated because the internet was obsessed with them. Well, if you are listening to this and you're also a bit confused, Chris Evans is 39. He is best known, as Annabelle just said, for playing Captain America in the Marvel franchise. I truly feel like the Marvel franchise and the Marvel universe is just a whole other realm of celebrity and pop culture that I will never know much about. I don't care about comic books. I don't care about those movies. I've never really watched one. I've always understood that this is what made Chris Hemsworth super popular and super famous around the world. It's just not for me. So people like Chris Evans who have grown up basically entirely in the Marvel Universe. He's done one other film that I could see that's been big and not part of Marvel, which was not another teen movie. He just kind of slides across my radar. 100%. He's the kind of person that I see everyone else talking about being like, I have no idea what bandwagon I've missed, but I've certainly (laughs) missed something. Anyway, so Lizzo, Chris Evans, famous for very different reasons. Just over a week ago, Lizzo revealed on TikTok that she sent a message to Evans after she'd been drinking. She sort of slid into his DMs. On TikTok, she sort of screenshotted the message and put it really, really quickly. Like she's a queen of doing like the shortest screenshot ever. So you've got to get it really, really fast when you're watching. And she wrote, don't drink and DM kids for legal purposes. This is a joke. (laughs) But it wasn't a joke. The message in question was like a trio of emojis, including a gust of wind, a woman playing basketball and a basketball, obviously saying you've kind of got to like shoot your shot, I think. Right. Or something to do with that. I'm glad you translated that for us because I saw these three emojis and I was like, what? I'm, well, no, I'm just like spiralling. <laughs> Imagine if I've completely misunderstood this. Anyway, he replied to her saying, no shame in a drunk DM with a 
kissy, um, oh, sorry for the sound, (laughs) with a kissy emoji. God knows I've done worse on this app. Apparently, just as a little sidebar, what he's referring to there, according to News.com, and this is a quote from News.com article, although he didn't specifically say it, the Knives Out actor was likely referencing his own infamous social media gaffe when he accidentally leaked a graphic photo of his penis. Back in September 2020. How did I miss this photo? How did I miss this story? I missed this as well. Can we get more details on this story while we talk about the Lizzo story? It's pretty funny. Anyway, so we knew that that happened a week ago, that these two had exchanged these two messages. He said nothing to be ashamed of because it had hit the news by this point. (laughs) The reason that this is back in the news now is someone asked Lizzo again on TikTok how the DM, the spicy combo was going. Again, for like the (laughs) shortest of seconds, well, literally not even a quarter of a second, she put an extended screenshot of what their messages looked like after the first two messages. I think the moment that I hit my screen and paused on the right spot to look at these messages was the proudest moment of my life thus far. Well, I loved her caption, which was, so let's see what your pause game is like, motherfuckers. But it's like, <laughs> mate, don't undersell how little I have to do in my life. Like, I've got time for this. I will sit here and watch this on a loop a hundred times <laughs> until I get it right. So then she replied to him saying, well, they say you miss a hundred percent of the shots you never Never take. And even though I unsent it like a dork, because she did try to unsend the message, <laughs> I'm glad you know I exist now. <laughs> he said, of course I do. I'm a fan. Keep up the great work. Now, from there, we can't see any of the rest of the messages. Dare I say we can't see any of the rest of the messages, but I don't really care. I don't actually think these two are going to get together. No, like, I think we've just had some witty repartee and that's it. Well, it's funny because every news outlet is what we're writing about the spicy text message exchange between Chris <laughs> Evans and Lizzo. And no disrespect to Chris Evans and Lizzo, but if these are spicy text message exchanges, you should see my inbox. Ooh. No, 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 no. I mean, sorry, not like that, but I'm like, fuck, then my messages are spicy if this, <laughs> this general combo is spicy. So true, actually. The text messages that Zara and I send each other would be spicier than this That's sometimes. what I'm trying right. to say, just for context. We're not in a romantic relationship for <laughs> anyone. No, we're not. But I am loving how much the internet is trying to, dare I say, ship this relationship on. I do love, I think my favourite part about this story is that Lizzo did delete her original drunk DM. I feel like that is the most relatable human moment ever, that someone as regal and famous and incredible as Lizzo can get embarrassed and be like, fuck, I really need to delete that. That is the worst. Did you know that that person still gets a notification if you unsend though? What? Yeah. Yeah, So I only found this out recently because I wanted to unsend a random message that I sent like a year ago. (laughs) What was it? I can't remember. (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) Yes, you can. And I tested it on my boyfriend and I didn't even tell him, but I just like unsent a lot of DMs that I'd sent to him to see if he noticed. And two minutes later, he's like, why am I getting all these notifications saying you've unsent like five (gasps) messages? I've done that before as well. Yeah. It's not as good a function as it makes itself out to be. Dare I say, though, some people don't have Apple notifications for everything that happens on Instagram. No, that's true. But even if you're on the app, sometimes you can have the pop-up message as well. That like Zar McDonald unsent. exactly. So that's just my PSA to anyone who wants to unsend. It would need to be dire consequences for me to unsend something (laughs) knowing they were getting a notification. Coming up after the break, the Aussie reality TV ratings are in and there are clear winners and losers. Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker's horny antics and then why the world is obsessed with asking questions about Zac Efron's face. But first, a word from today's sponsor. 
And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the flit and tumble. No, <laughs> celebrity and back. Pop culture news cycle. I actually polled the listeners last week and overwhelmingly they demanded it come back. Yeah, she's actually telling the truth. I wish that was a lie. 81%. Whoa. 81% of you idiots want her to say <laughs> Rufle and Tomblay again. Trust me, I was surprised too because I actually did get a few troll messages back in the day when I used to do that. So thank you for the support. Michelle, Elizabeth, Neg, Andrews, what oh, have you got for me? My first story, Tristan Thompson and Khloe Kardashian hit by cheating claims again. That is from Cosmopolitan. Who wants to do the brief refresher of the timeline with this story, Zara? I can do it. Time is a flat circle, <laughs> honestly. So I cannot actually believe we're here again. Yeah. I mean, are you surprised? I I am more surprised now than I was with any other revelation or rumour about Tristan Thompson cheating because it's almost like if this is true and if the woman who has come out, which we'll get to later, is telling the truth, how can anyone be this stupid and make the same mistakes this many times and not learn from past actions. Yeah, and we're talking about Tristan for context, not Chloe. A refresher, as you said, on the couple itself. They got together in August 2016. They were official by October. By September 2017, she was pregnant with their daughter, True. I did actually predict that name. <laughs> now, <laughs> that is how the oracle began, I think. It did. TMZ actually obtained footage of Tristan Thompson kissing another woman in October, but didn't release the footage until April when Chloe was really heavily pregnant. It's gross. TMZ is gross and disgusting, and I hate that they did that. It's a pretty gross story. So on April 11, 2018, videos of Tristan cheating on Chloe with a number of women were released the very next day she gave birth. So by August 2018, they're back together. And then, of course, by February 2019, there was that very infamous story of him cheating on her again with Kylie Jenner's best friend, Jordan Woods. Yikes. A Just lot like, going on. Yikes. So they've been working on their relationship for the last two years. The Jordan Woods thing happened in February 2019. They have kind of laid brick by brick to rebuild the house of their relationship. Does nice. that work? As sure. A, sure. As a metaphor, we'll use that. Chloe has also been super nervous to come out and say that, yes, they are back together. She only really confirmed that on the latest season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. She only really acknowledged that, yes, she's back with this man, but because of the stigma of taking back a cheater, she didn't want to acknowledge that for so, so long. And now we find ourselves here again. They've only been public as a couple for a couple of months. There have been rumours circulating for ages, but they're back together. But we're in April and he's potentially done it again. We've had an Instagram model named Sydney Chase come out in an American podcast interview and say that she has hooked up with him and then gave details about his anatomy. I'll leave that up to the <laughs> listener's imagination to prove that she's had sex with him. That's I so won't repeat. Weird. It's weird. And I don't want us to repeat the quotes or the details because I actually don't think it's appropriate or ethical to speak about people's genitals. Or relevant. It's just gross. Yeah. So she was trying to prove her point. I think she took it too far, but she has doubled down on this. She's gone on TikTok and confirmed that, yes, they slept together multiple times. She says they first connected in November 2020 and have hung out a lot since then. She said the last time they had like organic contact with each other was the day after his daughter True's birthday party which would take this up to April 13th or 14th, as in two weeks ago. I tell you what, Chloe must be feeling incredibly triggered because it's around this time of year anyway, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, that this story really broke 
properly about his first instance of cheating. Their daughter's birthday is now connected with revelations of her partner cheating on her. Like it's just such a messy, muddy time. And the Kardashians haven't come out and said anything, have they? Like they've really kind of closed ranks around themselves. No. So Sydney Chase, the model at the heart of all this, says that Tristan reached out to her after the podcast interview went live with a text message. She didn't give details on what he said to her. But from Chloe's end, we've had real silence. She did post a couple of cryptic Instagram stories earlier in the week that were kind of like resharing meaningful quotes. One of those quotes read, no amount of guilt can change the past and no amount of anxiety can change the future. Another said, invest in your energy, invest in your environment. Your environment has a direct impact on your life, so be intentional with it. Surround yourself only with people who can contribute to your growth and expansion. All energy is contagious. Gosh, is there any world, any world where they have decided to get back together and the only way that their relationship works is if it's a bit open? Yeah, I did think that. I thought, okay, maybe they have an open relationship and that's just how things are going to work for them. Sydney Chase denies that that was the case. She says that Tristan told her he was single and she was the one to kind of sever things when she found out they were still together and that he wasn't single at all. So if it was an open relationship, I think a couple of things would have happened. They would have come to an agreement that if it was going to be open, everyone brought into the relationship would sign an NDA and be like in an ironclad legal agreement where they can't speak about it. They also would have agreed that they'd be on the same page. It doesn't seem like anyone's on the same page here. Tristan Thompson, I know we've said it a million times on this podcast, is just an idiot. So, like, it boggles the mind. If this is legitimate and my gut's telling me that perhaps it is, I cannot fathom how a... Just like a man can get himself in this situation. Like, what is wrong with you? I want to shake him and be like, fucking man up. You have a kid with this woman. Yeah, it's so fucked. And I feel like with this story as well, I wouldn't be surprised if this is actually all we heard about it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the story got killed from here. Like, the Mm. Kardashians never came out about it. Tristan never came out about it. And we never heard anything else. Mm. Poor Chloe. 100%. My second story, Big Brother 2021 feels like a combo of Love Island and Ninja Warrior and I'm not here for it. That is from Pedestrian TV. Gotta say... I mostly agree with the writer of this article who contended that the social experiment days of Big Brother are mostly gone and they've made way for like these weird obstacle course challenges that the contestants are forced to perform for the audience. I'm very confused by this because the only other time I used to remember them doing obstacle courses at all was in the old days when they did Friday night games, which was fun and sort of one episode a week. Which, dare I say, was like the gold standard for Australian television. I don't think we've ever reached that (laughs) level of fun ever again. That was when Brie, Michael and Fitzy were doing it together, right? That's when I first fell in love with Fitzy. Love it so much. Anyway, no, (laughs) Big Brother these days, very, very different. First of all, the premiere episode went for an hour and 40 minutes. It was a feature length film and let me tell you it lost me about 15 minutes in. It's interesting that you make note of that though because the Bachelor opening episode is usually that long and you never mind so you must have been pretty bored watching this. Well it didn't give me enough to care about early on like it was just a little bit lacklustre. On top of that it shouldn't matter and yet I feel like it does. The voice of Big Brother does not sound like Big Brother to me. That does matter. That matters hugely. I think when you're used to hearing that iconic Big Brother voice, when it changes, there's, I'm so sorry to Big Brother, but he loses all authority. The old Big Brother of like the mid-noughties, in my memory anyway, had this very gritty, very deep, authoritative voice. Super deep. This Big Brother voice is not that deep. (laughs) And I'm listening to it going, 
I don't fucking buy it. You're not big brother. The little brother. You're not a big brother. I know. Like, Thank you for the laugh. <laughs> Michelle didn't listen to it enough to appreciate the joke, but I thought that joke was funny. I'll pat you on the back. <laughs> no, but it just doesn't have the same magic to it as it used to have. Also, when all the contestants kind of like shuffled into the house, because this entire series is practically all pre-recorded. There's no like live audience vibe. There's no like live voting to eliminate people week by week. It's all pre-done, and then we decide when we get to like the final three or something i'm pretty sure channel 7 just had a bunch of their own staffers standing at the entrance to the house clapping people in <laughs> alongside sonia kruger and they're like Woo! but it must have been staffers because it's recorded all in like a pandemic world where they would have been in some sort of bubble they wouldn't have allowed random people to come in so they've got like the channel 7 marketing and publicity department like throwing their hands yeah, together masks on yeah. <laughs> while they were all kind of socially distanced as well it was just like this very spread out awkward crowd so it didn't really have the right vibe one thing that was keeping me involved or kind of across the series was Flex Mommy, very popular mm. influencer, soon to be author, entrepreneur, was one of the contestants. So I was like, oh, I'll watch it for Flex. I find Flex really interesting. She got eliminated in like episode two. So yeah, what, what the fuck is the point? I don't know either. And there was a lot of outrage on the comments of her Instagram as well. So if they wanted to keep people watching, I don't think eliminating her this quickly was the way to do it. No, protect Flex. Flex deserves <laughs> to be there until the very end and when we can make her the winner. Lots of people agreed with me. The Big Brother premiere was down 200,000 viewers from last year. However, compared to the other reality shows in our country, it's not doing too badly. Lego Masters on Channel 9, hosted by Hamish Blake, is still top of the reality TV tree, as always, followed by Big Brother. Last but not least... MasterChef. MasterChef no. is off to a really rocky start. No, no, no. I know. I know you're going to be surprised by this, Annabelle. Last year's premiere in the middle of our country's lockdown had 1.2 million viewers. This year's premiere had 670,000. But I'm watching it from so many households, so many different households. That can't be true. I'm flicking on all the televisions in my street. No, that is a shame because it is such a beautiful and wholesome show. But I'm not watching it either. And it's not personal against MasterChef. I'm just not watching any television. I think last year... They had like the perfect concoction of intrigue because we didn't know what these new judges were like and we didn't know how they were going to recreate this show. There was also the all-star thing and then we were kind of in the middle of a pandemic in lockdown. So there were so many factors that meant this was a recipe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Thank you. But this year I just think maybe we don't want to watch – fresh faces anymore. Is that it? Well, I don't know. I think last year everyone was so anxious. We were craving nostalgia and craving comfort. And I adore MasterChef. That's the funny thing. I love MasterChef, but I haven't found myself turning it on. I keep watching Drive to Survive on Netflix. So I just don't have time in my life for any other reality shows. Right I now. actually just started that last night. So I'll keep you updated with my review. Thoughts so far? Pretty good. <laughs> good. My third story, Nomadland takes best picture at an Oscars like no other. That is from Channel 9. So it would be an understatement to say that the Oscars were very lacklustre this year. Snooze fest. Complete snooze fest. I mean, there were some powerful moments, but when we're considering how many people tuned in, a real worry for the Oscars and the Academy, the Oscars averaged 9.85 million viewers, which was an all-time low, a 58% drop from last year. Yikes. The real clincher here is that last year was the lowest viewership in history. <gasps> 
So there was some oh, that's so bad. There were some stats going around on Twitter looking at, you know, the viewership of the Oscars from 2014. The viewership in the Oscars in 2014 was like mid 40 millions. <gasps> And then it has slowly declined since then. Last year was over 20 million and obviously this year was nine. I mean, I do think there has to be something to do with how we're tuning in and how we're watching. But I think this year, because people hadn't been to the movies last year, Hollywood hasn't had such a stranglehold on our conversations. I mean, we know doing this podcast, there's been zero news coming out of the US pretty Mm. much. Mm. The people just weren't invested. That said, there were some interesting moments. There always is. Chloe Zhao won Best Director for Nomadland, which was a film starring Frances McDormand, who also won Best Actress for her role in that film. She was the first woman of colour to ever take out the Best Director and the second woman ever to win this award. Isn't that a wild stat given, I think this was the 93rd Oscars in history. Like it took us 93 years to have a woman of colour win Best Director and she's only the second woman ever. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. What's also interesting is that Chloe Zhao is a Chinese director and that in China posts about her victory were removed. So there's been a huge amount of silence around the news of her win because there's been an old interview of hers from about 2013 circulating on the internet in China where she does disparage parts of the government and that was still from like eight years ago and she has been accused of smearing China. So within hours of her win, social media posts were being censored about it. Mm, very interesting. There was a very small controversy around Chadwick Boseman not getting the gong for his role in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a movie we discussed mm-hmm. last week, Annabelle. Although Chadwick Boseman's family members did come out and kind of defend the eventual winner of that award saying they didn't expect Chadwick Boseman to win simply because he passed away. Well, yeah, exactly. I think I think the reason that there was a bit of controversy around this was probably twofold. The first and foremost is he had won a lot of the awards leading up to the Oscars. And we know award season is a bit habitual in terms of the people that win the awards, although they're always sort of surprise wins. What was interesting about this, though, is that the Oscars producers rearranged the ceremony order. So traditionally, best picture is announced last, right? And best actor and best actress come before that. Instead, what they did is they announced best actor last. And people thought that because this was rearranged, they were doing it so that they would end on some very meaningful moment where Chadwick Boseman would take out the last award. Mm. Instead, that didn't happen. The father star, Anthony Hopkins, won and he wasn't even there. He was in Wales and he is 83, the oldest actor to have ever won in this category and he wasn't there to accept the award. Is that even a relevant point though, given we're in a pandemic and it's not easy to fly between countries? No, but I think the criticism was very much targeted at the producers for two reasons. Firstly, for rearranging the ceremony to make it feel very much like this was a Chadwick Boseman win. And secondly, for not exercising the thought that it might have been someone else and making sure that everybody was available. Right. So they definitely put their eggs in the Chadwick Boseman basket. And it is interesting because for so many years, a lot of people have thought that the Oscars producers have been tipped off about the winners, Mm. but clearly this year they just weren't. No, so you don't think they knew? No, no, no. No, the Oscar producers apparently were planning this thinking that Chadwick was going to win. Uh, right. But so they had is no anyone idea. at fault here then if they didn't know? But like why rearrange on a hunch? Yeah, double check. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. Don't it's rearrange. They took a risk and, and they didn't, didn't get work. the biscuit. Exactly. <laughs> My fourth story, Australian traveller Lauren Bullen and ex-Jack Morris to sell $1.2 million Bali mansion. That is from news.com. You're going to have to help me out with this story, Mish. You have been wanting to talk about this story for a little bit. I'm a little bit mad because I tried to get us to talk about this when they broke up, which was three weeks ago, and you said, I don't care. No, and I know. I care that a lovely couple has broken up and <laughs> they're probably heartbroken. I just wasn't as invested as perhaps you were. So I've 
shooted my shot. Is that the way to say it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lisa, give me. Shooted even a wo- no. Shot my shot. I shot my shot, and I pushed this into this week's quick and dirty because they have now answered a question about their Bali mansion, which isn't as interesting as the breakup is. But I'll use this as an opportunity to explain. So Lauren Bullen is probably best known by her Instagram handle at Gypsy Lust. Before I say anything else, I want to acknowledge that Gypsy is a racial slur against Romani people. And I do not use that word lightly. That is simply her Instagram handle. She does now tend to go by Lauren Bullen, but hasn't changed that initial handle, which some people rightly find offensive to their culture. Now, Jack Morris is also a massive influencer. Between them, they actually have 4.5 million followers on oh. Instagram. <laughs> I know, decent. <laughs> that is quite a following. That's why I'm glaring at you being like, <laughs> of course the listeners care about this. To me, they were the OG influencer couple. They were absolutely huge. They were that couple who, I don't know if you remember this, do you remember the photo trend where people would be like travelling around the world with their influencer oh, boyfriend? Don't. The and they would do the handhold while walking into like a body of water. That was these two. These two were oh. massive. They moved together to live in Bali. They Wait, had. they didn't start that trend. No, but they were definitely one of the main uh. people with huge followings who like contributed to that trend and like me being like, can someone hold my hand while I like, have a hot <laughs> ass shot leaping into the pool? Oh, Mitch. <laughs> anyway, now they've announced that they're splitting. They were together for five years. They had built this incredible $1.2 million home in Bali and yet things seemed to fall apart. So earlier in the month, Lauren Bullen wrote on her Instagram, it's really hard for me to find words for this post and a post I really never thought I'd be making. But life happened and Jack and I decided to split last month. This for sure has been the hardest decision I've ever made. Sadly, the last year we let our relationship slip away from under us. Damn, that is hard to read. God, it would be weird having to announce your breakup to a whole lot of people and release a statement about it. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I also really like that explanation. We let our relationship slip away from under us. I think that's actually a really beautiful, poignant way to put it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people listening to that would relate and think, yeah, that's actually what happened to me and my ex. Yeah, so naturally a lot of people had questions about this house. They actually only really started publicising that they had built this house together Last year, like last year, I remember watching a 20 minute vlog of every decision they made in their house and why and why they had this custom shelf built and why they chose this granite marble top or whatever. And I loved it. So to now see them go, actually, we're not going to live together. We're not going to be together. We're not going to have this dream life that we've really put out into the public. It came as a shock. Yeah, I think it's going to understandably come as a shock to a lot of people. And I think, as I said before, it would be weird telling the world about your breakup. But influencers naturally ride off the success of their relationships too. Like people mm. invest in the success of their relationships and they sell that a little bit. Yeah. So they have to then turn around and, and acknowledge what's happened. But you can imagine people would be upset about this almost more than your average celebrity breakup. Weirdly. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because Lauren Bullen and Jack Morris sold the aspirational lifestyle, but also the aspirational romance, like traveling yeah. the world and being more in love than ever is something people really bought into. Four million people watched that dream house tour and were like, commenting voraciously on how much they just adored the house and adored their lives together. They have said that they will be keeping the house and like splitting the ownership of it, which I find really interesting to do with an ex-partner. Neither will live in it. Eventually, they're going to be renting it out, hopefully to their followers and fans who might eventually be able to travel to Bali. I mean, fair call. I can't imagine they won't have much demand when borders eventually open. No, but I can't imagine 
co-sharing a house with my ex. Well, you're not even co-sharing. You're just sharing an investment. If you're civil and kind about it, I think you'd be able to do it. Interesting. My fifth story. Courtney Kardashian straddles boyfriend Travis Barker in a nude thong bikini after playing X-rated Scrabble on her birthday vacation at exclusive Amangiri Resort. That is from Daily Mail. <laughs> so... There is little doubt that Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker are properly, properly dating, considering all the sexy snaps they're giving us at the moment. It is like raunchy and I hate using this word, but there's no other word for it. They are very horny. No, I hate that. I actually despise that word too, but I agree with you. They are that. <laughs> I, I think the only word I hate more than horny is hump. <laughs> okay, okay. Why are we doing this? What has this segment become? What are, you, <laughs> what are you doing? We've truly descended into chaos. <laughs> that is sick. You are sick. You take a break. I'll read this story. Travis and Courtney did confirm their romance earlier this year and apparently since then have been relatively inseparable. If you don't know who Travis Barker is, he is, of course, from Blink-182 <laughs> or Blink-182, depending on how you want to pronounce it. He has a tattoo already of her name scrawled on his chest above one of his nipples, I think. So that's lovely. Anyway, um, <laughs> No, 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 it is, but it's like pretty quick to get a tat. Mind you, his, his entire body is yeah, tatted. So it's kind of like if you had one tattoo, I'd be like, that is stupid. When your entire body, including part of your face, is tattooed, I'm like, fucking go for it, Travis. Yeah, exactly. So Courtney uploaded a photo in the desert straddling Travis with the caption, just like heaven. And this line from Daily Mail made me laugh, but I wonder if it's going to make me laugh the next day. She captioned the snap, just like heaven, while Travis, in synchronicity, shared a grab from the Cure song of the same name. Like, who cares? (laughs) Anyway, so apparently on their Instagram stories while they were away, they were playing Scrabble and she sort of panned some words that included orgasm, mix, X, tip, pop, delt and ivy. Now, the Daily Mail are calling this a dirty game of Scrabble, but like I'm just not sure the word mix is particularly dirty. I think they've seen orgasm and ivy and they're like BDSM. Yeah, well, probably. Anyway, it does come just a week after Travis shared this fucking weird photo of, or video, I should say, of Courtney sucking his thumb. And then, like, a bunch of articles came out talking about how they might have a kink for each other's fingers. And I'm like, can this not be a thing that we need to talk about? The New York Post did, like, a full investigation. Like, they tried to do a serious article on why Travis Barker might have uploaded a photo of Kourtney Kardashian (laughs) sucking his thumb. And the publication interviewed an erotic educator (laughs) by the name of Taylor Sparks, which just, of course, is the name of an erotic educator, who said that it simply could be a kink. The Post also spoke to a psychotherapist and sex therapist, so they've really done their due diligence here. I love that you got these quotes. I know, who revealed that fingers have an inherent connection to sensuality and arousal, adding that given their high density of nerve endings (laughs) and how they're very often used during sex. Like, why is this in a New York newspaper? I just, I have a lot of questions for Courtney and Travis. I think one thing is clear. I won't get answers to my questions, but it's very, very clear that they are living their best sex lives right now. Courtney's also been sharing like articles on Poosh about like, do you have rough sex and like why women love rough sex? And she's been like posting little emojis and stuff. And I'm like, Courtney, I get it. I just don't need to see it every day. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Imagine being a family as well. But like honestly good on them. They clearly like each other a lot. So happy days to Travis and Courtney. Go forth, guys. Go at it. (laughs) Thank you, next bitch. 
This week, Zac Efron was back in the headlines, not because he's rekindling things with his hot normie girlfriend, Vanessa Valadares, although we can pray, but because of his face. You see, while being interviewed about Earth Day via video link, viewers noticed Zac's jaw, lips and overall face look a little different. Cue media meltdown. TikTokers ran with the footage, garnering tens of millions of views off the back of Zac's looks. Plastic surgeons jumped in and offered their thoughts. Media publications got in on the action and ran articles article after article speculating on exactly what the actor has had done and why. Zara, when did you come across the story and what was your initial reaction to it? Yeah, I saw it on TikTok as well and I'm not going to lie, I was naturally intrigued. Like the minute that, I think you sent it to me anyway, Yeah. on the weekend, I was intrigued. I was like, oh, what has happened here? He definitely looks different. So mm. he was appearing in Bill Nye's Earth Day Facebook videos and so suddenly screenshots of his appearance in that video started to circulate and as you said, did trigger plastic surgery rumours. But the headlines that followed, I think, were the thing that piqued my interest the most because they were pretty nasty. The New Zealand Herald ran an article that said, Zac Efron's new look triggers plastic surgery rumours. What did they do to his face? Yikes. My least favourite one, I think is even worse than that, is from Yahoo. They wrote, you look like a botched Kendall. Zac Efron's new face sparks plastic surgery rumours. And this is the thing that's really got me about this story in particular is that people really haven't held back on what they think and often what they're thinking is not very kind. People on TikTok have been arguing that it's filler, but then other people on TikTok weren't convinced. Mm. Twitter was saying that it might be a result of an ongoing surgery that he's having on his jaw since mm. 2013 because he used to have his like mouth wired shut because he broke his jaw once. Right. And I do find it very interesting that there is so much speculation about his face. Yes, he does look a bit different, but given A, we know his history with his jaw, B, we know his history with almost body dysmorphia, I would argue, and C, just because it's his own personal choice. Yeah, I feel like because Zac Efron is a man, we fail to acknowledge that he might struggle with the very same body image issues that women struggle with, or I would say a majority of women struggle with. Zach did give a really interesting quote when he was actually starring in Baywatch that kind of alluded to this issue that he might have with his appearance. He said, that was actually a really important time to do Baywatch because I realised that when I was done with that movie, I don't ever want to be in that good of a shape again. Really, it was so hard. You're working with almost no wiggle room, right? You've got things like water under your skin and that you're worrying about making your six pack into a four pack. It's just stupid. Yeah, there's another quote that he gave his nature documentary series Down to Earth about a similar thing and he's sort of eating a bowl of pasta and he said I went years without eating carbs when I shot Baywatch I didn't have a carb for six months I almost lost my mind you you need this when he's pointing to the bowl of pasta I mean don't get me wrong the plastic surgery conversation is hardly a world where men are more unfairly targeted than women but I do think in this Zac Efron conversation there's an added layer of finger pointing because I think we see his changing face or his caring about his appearance as something working in direct opposition to masculinity. Like I think part of the vitriol or part of the joking comes down to some weird scepticism or suspicion we have for men who lean into femininity. And we consider caring about your appearance or changing your face as an element of femininity. Yeah, it's almost like masculine attractiveness relies on like 
ruggedness and it relies on just like organically being hot and not even maybe knowing that you're hot, just being super handsome and dirty and raw. Yes. It's the not knowing as well that's part of it. Yeah. I think the viciousness of the media coverage about Zac Efron's face is partly because this feels like uncharted territory. We've seen headlines about women's changing faces forever or at least for a very, very long time, decades. And we've learned how it's appropriate to speak about women. But as far as speaking about a man, people just seem to go so much further in my mind. Like one of the articles I read compared Zach's face to Shrek's and then said that he had ruined what was formerly a perfect face. I also really roll my eyes at media publications that pull out tweets and feel like it's appropriate to just platform any bullying opinion simply because someone wrote it on Twitter. Isn't it a media publication's responsibility or a journalist or writer's responsibility to be better than the cesspit on social media. Well, it's a way of saying it without having to say it yourself, right? It's like a way of pointing to the controversy but being like, oh, I didn't say it though. That's these other people. But you're actually magnifying it. Absolutely. You're taking something from the obscurity of social media and going, oh, guys, look at this. Like, this is a fun, interesting opinion. I'm not going to say it, but this random Instagram (laughs) or Twitter or TikTok user saying it, therefore it's legitimate. Reminds me a little bit of the Simon Cowell conversation. I don't know if you guys remember, but I feel like there were photos that surfaced maybe a year ago of the changing nature of Simon Cowell's face. And once again, you're right. I feel like we don't have a blueprint for how to have these conversations about men. And I think we are, I mean, we'll get to this in a second. We, in some ways, are more delicate around women in others, not at all. But I think it's because the conversations about female insecurities are widespread. And that is because I think female insecurities are pretty widespread. Like we Mm. live our lives being told we're not good enough. But when it comes to men, it's incredible that we would assume that they don't, particularly in a show business industry, not have similar insecurities to us, that they would just simply be immune from them. Mm. Well, speaking to the men in my life, I certainly know that they might not have as many varied issues with their appearance, but they certainly have issues with self-confidence and self-esteem when it comes to their bodies in particular. Like, yes, it's different, but I think it would be erroneous for us to say that they have it easy all the time and men don't deal with this shit too because the men in my life absolutely do. Yeah and so then I think if we're comparing how we talk about men and women in this context I think we talk about men who have had changing faces as a bit of a laughing stock Mm. like that's ridiculous compare them to Shrek. In a female case I think it's doused in faux concern and I think an example that we saw this week was Geordie Shaw star Charlotte Crosby. In case you did miss it when it came to Charlotte Crosby last Thursday, there was an episode in the UK of Celebrities What Happened to Your Face that aired, which featured a whole bunch of medical professionals dissecting how Crosby's physical appearance had changed over the years. And then they had surgeons making an incredible amount of offensive comments about her cookie cutter and plastic face. Yeah, they called her rubber lips on multiple occasions and said that she had basically ruined her face by going overboard with so many surgeries. This TV show, which as you said, Zara, was called Celebrities What Happened to Your Face, was aired on Channel 5 in the UK but produced by a production company called Crackett Productions. I just have to read you the tagline for Crackett Productions because I just find it to be a world away from the show that they produced about Charlotte Crosby. They describe themselves as creating intelligent TV that balances integrity with compelling content. Well, this is the thing about the Charlotte Crosby episode and the conversation about Charlotte Crosby 
is that they think something about this is intelligent. Like I think that the people behind a show like this would argue that they are doing or making some sort of social commentary about female insecurities and how women want to change their faces and what it means about celebrities to go to the nth degree. We've got Zac Efron being compared to Shrek and then we've got Charlotte Crosby being compared to herself in the past. I mean, the program actually was pulled because Charlotte actually issued a statement about this. So in a statement on Instagram, she said that the program was immoral and insensitive. She also added that the episode had aired despite her agent being appalled when it was commissioned and her agent had warned Channel 5 of the detrimental impact it would have on her mental health. So when they got wind that this was being filmed last year, her agent reached out begged them not to do it and they still went ahead with it despite all of the agents pleading that this would be really damaging to Charlotte Crosby and it's only now when it was public and they got a bit of backlash that they decided to pull it so they removed it from their streaming service. So it's already aired in the country Mm. but they've just removed it from being able to be accessed now. Yeah, one part of Charlotte Crosby's statement on her Instagram account that I really loved was this. Dealing with trolls is one thing. You ignore, you block but where are we as a society when the trolls are the mainstream TV channels. Will they now take responsibility for my dip in mental health and my plummeted self-esteem? Do they take responsibility for the resulting press from the show, again discussing how shocking my face is? Channel 5 have a list of mental health helplines on their website. Is this for viewers or the subjects of the poor choice in programming like me? Broadcasters are so keen to do psych tests for shows, yet at the same time give space to programs which destroy the mental health of its subjects. I must say I absolutely love that. I did not like Channel 5's announcement that they had pulled the show. I felt like it was basically saying we did nothing wrong but we'll pull it down anyway because everyone's in hysterics. They said while we acknowledge that the program was Ofcom compliant, as in it didn't fail any of the TV standards or guidelines, we have taken on board Charlotte's feedback and removed the episode from our streaming platform. We apologise for any upset caused. I just call absolute bullshit on that statement. First of all, to begin it with, oh, we haven't really done anything wrong. We were Ofcom compliant, but we'll remove it anyway. Or we apologise for any upset caused. No, you ran this knowing that someone was going to be deeply affected by it. You ran it seeing all the complaints behind the scenes, receiving all the letters from Charlotte Crosby's management that this shouldn't go to air. And I think we make a mistake when we speak about the media as this kind of amorphous, faceless entity. We should take this up to the very people who work at Channel 5 and decide to air this program or who work at Crackett Productions. I actually think we should put faces to the people behind this show because if they were so willing to put Charlotte Crosby's face to something so blistering and so cruel for, what, half an hour, an hour and air it to the masses, I want to fucking see the faces of people who put this up because they deserve to be held accountable as well. If they're so willing to do this to another person and treat that person like a robot, they should be treated in the same way and see what they think when they're kind of blasted to the masses as well and see what they've really done. Yeah, and it's made all the more interesting and sad given this is a country that tried to have really intelligent conversations about bullying after the death of Caroline Flack. And this is a country that tries to have conversations about the mental health of reality stars given the history of Love Island suicides. Mm. And yet when push comes to shove and when this stuff is actually happening in real time and agents are asking production companies not to air things, nothing actually happens. I mean, I think we've had conversations on this show before about plastic surgery and the messy, messy, messy conversation that comes with wanting to know 
what people should do if they've had it in the public eye. Like, should they hide it? Should they be open about it? Is being open about it encouraging others to get it? But I think the conversation that we're having right now is how people who have had work done that we deem too excessive, and I say that in quotation marks, or even botched, and I say that in quotation marks too, we pretend we're actually worried for them, particularly in the case of Charlotte Crosby. Like it's all under this guise of faux concern. And there's an absolute element of smugness to the conversation thinking like these people have everything in the world and yet they're too fucking vain. They can't stop getting this plastic surgery. It's almost like we completely refuse to acknowledge that body dysmorphia is a legitimate and very, very harmful mental illness. Like we're more than happy to talk about anxiety and depression, but body dysmorphia is absolutely something that Charlotte Crosby has admitted that she struggles from. Well, this is the annoying part about this. Charlotte Crosby has never not been open about the procedures she's had in her face. She's never not been completely transparent about why she's had them and the trauma she's gone through when it comes to her body acceptance. Yeah, so the listeners are across this. Charlotte Crosby has admitted to having fillers, Botox, a nose job and breast implants. So hasn't she been transparent and done exactly what we've asked of her? Why do we then have to hang her out to dry and say she's gone too far? I think a lot of society's fascination with botched faces, and I include myself in this because I'm the one who sent you the Zac Efron photo in the first place, Zara. I think deep down it comes from this place of smugness. Celebrities have all this abundance. They have all this wealth, all this fame. They have this perfect life and they ruined it for themselves anyway. It's like this real middle-class smugness to be like, you can have everything everything and still fuck it up. Like you can be the most beautiful, the most rich and look at you now. Like it's a very, very ugly side of our personalities. And I think that's why shows like Botched or why celebrities, what happened to your face, thrive. I think just to play devil's advocate in the tiniest way here, I think humans are always going to be interested in a changing face because it does in some ways go a little bit against biology. And so anyone that kind of interferes with that, we're going to be interested in, I think. And that is probably why you sent that to me and I'm going to be interested that Zac Efron's face has changed. I think the responsibility here is what conversation we have on a very public level. Mm. It's one thing to have like an intrinsic interest in what people look like. It's another entirely to air conversations, picking people's face apart. Well, I think that's the thing. I think it would be unrealistic to sit here and be like, we should never talk about people's changing faces. And I know there'll be listeners who come to us and say, why do we talk about anyone's faces at all? I just think that is completely ignoring natural human curiosity. However, media personalities and individuals working behind the scenes, in particular at media organisations, should be held to a different level of responsibility and accountability to the average TikTok user. The average 16-year-old who's making a video about this, I don't agree with it, but I also don't have much to say to them because they haven't trained as a journalist and put stuff out to the world that actually shapes public opinion. If you're working at Channel 5 or if you're working at Crackett Productions, you should do better because that's your job that you get paid for. I wanted to finish with a quote from Jamila Jamil that I thought was a pretty salient point to sit on. She wrote, risky business piling onto someone about their face or body at the best of times in particular before even knowing why their appearance has changed. I love that so much. I think that is all we've got time for today. I think it is. Hey, guys, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you so much for supporting our first episode of Scandal as well that went live on Monday. We have been so stoked with the response about that one. We've got part two coming on Monday, which we are super excited to drop. Absolutely. If you want to talk to us about today's episode, come and follow us on Instagram. We are at Shameless Podcast. Every Friday we poll you guys about where you stand and we hear your thoughts. Yeah, we can't wait. In the meantime, we are also on Instagram at The Shameless Book Club and on Facebook at Shameless Book Club in case you want to jump on that before we release our book club episode on Saturday. Exactly. Hit subscribe, 
hit follow, leave us a review if you like us, no hard feelings. Annabelle, let's do our little dancey dance. Anything to add? No. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.